0: And welcome to the NC podcast. My name is Natasha Collins, and I am the founder of NC Real Estate, which includes its members club for landlords and property investors to build profitable property portfolios that completely aligns with their goals. How are you doing this week? Did you enjoy last week's podcast with Christine? I hope you had some aha moments where the light bulb went off, and you're like. Yeah, scarcity scarcity mindset is a real thing. And hopefully, it's given you some tools to deal with that because you'll be able to move forward in a lot more open way by using some of the tools that she gave you. Now, I want to give you an update on something which, if you have been following my podcast for a while, you will know about. And at the time of recording this, at the day of recording this, which is the 27th of February, I know I'm a, I'm like a couple of weeks b- before, so things could change. But today, I hand, had to hand in the counter submission for the leasehold tribunal. Da-na-na. It's been one of these things that has just been ongoing for months and months and months and months. So if you don't remember... What happened was, was the head leaseholder served directions on us as the leaseholders that they wanted to take us through the leasehold tribunal process because they thought we were in dispute with them over um, the different charges that they want to levy on us for doing the externals works and actually the whole problem was with the freeholder because they could never agree and haven't agreed for at least the last seven years of who's responsible to do the works so every time the roof repairs come up neither party can decide on it so it gets battered back down and meanwhile there are leaks coming through the roof into leaseholders flats the externals of the building are in terrible repair and it's just a bit of a mess, really. So what happened back in January was that we were told that we had to go and put counter submissions in. But here's the problem. They're not included the freeholder in the circulation for the tribunal, which meant that they were only trying to deal with us. So I, after a lot of emails backwards and forwards, finally got the head leaseholder to go to the tribunal judge and say, hey, hold up, we forgot to bring in the freeholder. Please can you add freeholder to proceedings? The freeholder was added to proceedings. Everybody got sent out a new timeline of works and a timeline of works, a a schedule of how this tribunal is going to proceed. And we had to get our... Uh, respond response to their uh, whatever it is that they thought was the problem, we had to get that done by today at five o'clock. Now, let me tell you that at 4.30pm, leaseholders responded. So we've done it. Let me also tell you that I have a little bit of joy at thinking that probably they saw these submissions and went, Oh something. <laughs> I'm hoping that they feel like they've messed up a little bit. So, what do we do? Well, we went back to them and said that actually we agreed with the cost of works because over the past 18 months we've never seen a complete cost of works, but if the 108,500 is what they are relying on for the tribunal, absolutely fine we agree with that because as long as they can carry out the schedule of works as agreed in a leaseholder meeting in 2019 and they can do that within the 108,000 pounds we are fine we agree to go ahead we're not going to dispute it all we want to know is um, some more information about what new windows we are going to have fitted that is the end of the dispute with us That is where it finishes. There was no dispute in the first place. We just didn't know that that was how much it was going to cost. So at least through the tribunal proceedings, they had to disclose their hand and tell us how much it is going to cost. But then we turned it back around on them and said, well, hold on a second. From 2013 and previously, you've been saying that you would agree who's responsible for the roof works under the head lease but that's nothing to do with us and that's all we've been waiting for and as of that we also want to know who's responsible for the costs associated with that so how is the hundred and eight thousand pounds go- going to be s- split up what are the commercial units going to have to pay under the freeholder and what are the residential units going to pay under the head lease holder so you need to get that determined you need to do that quickly and you need to get that sorted thirdly something that happened that was absolutely glorious overnight last night as you will recall one of my biggest concerns one of the things that I was most freaking annoyed about was the fact that they were trying to put the costs of this dispute on us as leaseholders they wanted us to pick up the legal costs they said that it was chargeable under the um under the service charge clause that every, all of the cost of the legal proceedings would be payable by our service charges. And I saw Reddit this because I was like, well, your solicitors know how much is in our sinking fund. So obviously, they are just going to keep winding up their costs and winding up their costs and winding up their costs until they use up all of our pot and then we have to pay this extra amount of money um, to put it back in the pot to get our sinking fund back up to however much is in there at the moment. So... I had started the formal complaints process around this because I must admit, if we're looking back to last week's uh, podcast, I did get tunnel vision around this because I was like, hell no, are we paying your legal fees? This has been going on for years and years and years and years. And also I had it in the back of my mind that actually we shouldn't be paying for it anyway. All of the leaseholders had been working on this submission, making sure that we'd gone through all of our paperwork and we'd looked at the history of what was going on and all of the documents that had been sent to us um, over the course of the last couple of years. And one of the things that one of the leaseholders had found was that back in 2014, they had written to all leaseholders and said that they would pick up the cost of the dispute between the freeholder and the head leaseholder over the determination of the lease which means we will not be paying for the cost of this. So they have dragged us through something that we are not in dispute of and that they have to pick up the cost of and they were probably only trying to drag us through it to try and get us to pick up the cost of it. We just sent out the counter submission. Actually, within about half an hour of sending out the counter submission, the other side solicitor came back to us and said, um, have you sent this to the judge or the tribunal? And we responded that, no, it wasn't in the directions that we had to do that. But do you want us to do it? And the solicitor came back and was like, oh no, please don't do that. I mean, obviously, because you have no claim in the first place. So as it stands at this moment in time, as of recording, we will probably still be going through the tribunal, But actually, we now have to wait for the head leaseholder to respond to us by the 12th of March. In that time, they can come to a settlement and they can offer us a settlement, which fine, if that's what they want to do. Um, Or they can now take that one step further and say to the tribunal, here's the submissions from the leaseholders. We are going to go to tribunal over this. Now, I would absolutely be shocked if the judge would hear it because... There's no dispute with us. We've agreed to the 108,000. We agreed to the cost, we just want to know what the determination is between the head leaseholder and the freeholder over the works. That is it. So that's between the head leaseholder and the freeholder. I don't know if the freeholder responded to the head leaseholder today or not. They were meant to, but they weren't bound to do that. So what might happen is that the tribunal judge goes, scrap this. You shouldn't have made a claim in the first place. Give them a slapped wrist and say, make a claim again against the freeholder and they will have to start the process all over again that's where we are, that's what's happened. It's wild, it's time consuming, it's annoying as hell, it's taken up so much of my time and my bandwidth, my capacity. But here is where we are. Now, I have a couple of recommendations for you if you ever find yourself in this position. Number one, if you are in a leasehold property, please make sure that you keep all of the filed notes of everything that's ever been sent to you and make sure it's in date order unfortunately that's what you have to do but you need that as proof of evidence in case something ever goes wrong number two do not be worried by the fact that somebody has said that you're going through leasehold tribunal leasehold tribunal isn't scary That's the very first thing. It's not scary if you do end up at tribunal. It's just your side versus the other side plus a judge in the room. It's not one of these massive TV court cases. So just to be clear, that is something that's not scary. But nine times out of 10, it doesn't get as far as tribunal anyway because both sides agree to settle beforehand, right? So anybody who says to you they want their day in court, as far as I'm concerned, can go to hell. Nobody wants their day in court. Nobody. Because it's expensive, it's time consuming, and quite frankly, shouldn't have got that far in the first place. So just be very aware of that. Um, and second and thirdly, sorry, leaseholders don't normally respond to tribunal proceedings. So if you are a leaseholder and you're in that situation the freeholder or head leaseholder who had taken action against you probably isn't expecting you to respond. But if you have all of your file notes, it's very easy to respond yourself. Just whatever statement of case they present to you, do a response to that statement of case, use the numbering system that they've provided and just answer every single point using the facts that you've already got from the file notes that you've made throughout history. Now, here's the other thing. If you are going to buy a leasehold property, Don't buy anything that's got a dispute like this on it and that hasn't been settled. Now, once this dispute's been settled and either they've paid up or a settlement's agreed or it goes through tribunal, that's it, job's done. No more dispute over this. But don't buy something that's already really in dispute because you're going to need all of the historic evidence about what's going on. And you're going to need to be able to dig that up in the event that it goes to tribunal because it's time consuming for everybody. And time equals money when you're doing this kind of thing. Because if I think about it, and I'm not going to think about dwell on this for long because it's happened. But if I was to think about it, this has cost me thousands of pounds in time that I could be spent elsewhere. So just be mindful that if you're, you're buying a leasehold property and your solicitor sends out the CPSEs, so the inquiries about what's already happened on the property, and it comes up with the fact that there is a dispute ongoing, I probably would veto the property and go elsewhere and have a look at something else. But if the dispute's been completed, fine, go ahead. So I will, again, keep you updated with what happens as a result of this. I can see whilst I'm sat here, there's still emails flying around about it um, with different things going on, Um, but just because I think that their solicitor is now going, oh, something's not quite right here, how have they managed to present this much data and information that has been sent from his client telling us about certain things that are going to happen. So it's an interesting case. I think that they thought that they had us backed into a corner and we just dug deeper, did more research and pulled things out of the bag. As a property manager, you have to just remember that if there's been previous people property managing for you, on a portfolio and you've taken over their job role, you still need access to all of their emails and all of the documentation that you've sent. And as a property manager, keep everything that you've sent on file because if you don't remember you've said something or sent it, the other side can use that against you. So just be wary of that. Lesson learned, lesson we keep learning. And to be fair, I feel pretty good about the fact that um it's now happened like this. We've got some great evidence and we're we're in a pretty good position as far as leaseholders go. This isn't going to cost us anything extra than the difference between the sinking fund and the cost of works, which actually probably won't be more than about £2,000 per flat. But I'll keep you updated as, as it goes. It's just breaking news this morning from my end um, that I wanted to talk to you about. So, Moving on to the topic that I had prepared for this podcast, where I'd spend my money when kissing out rental properties. So I've been refurbing my service accommodation over the last eight weeks, well, about a month, but it's been ongoing. And I've got loads, I've done loads of rental refurbs over the years, some that are... Uh, furnished, some that are unfurnished and I realise that we can waste our money by buying expensive stuff and never getting the return or having to replace it. So this is my list of things that I would encourage you to spend money and where you shouldn't be spending money just so that we can make sure that we're spending money in the right places because We can go down a rabbit hole of thinking that we want everything to look perfect and beautiful and buying all of these expensive things when actually we just don't need it because a tenant is not going to appreciate it anymore. So first off, can I say that I only buy for my service accommodation Primark pillows, which just last, and Amazon sheets because they're easy to replace. That's it. I don't go any more fancy than that. No one's ever said anything about my pillows. In fact, they say they're really comfortable and they've never said anything about the sheets. So just make sure that you're not going over the odds and spending all this money on expensive furnishings that you just don't need. If you're going to be buying a TV for your service accommodation, just get the cheapest one honestly. You have no idea how often um, a guest will try and fiddle around with things at the back of the TV trying to get something strange to work and they break. But if you do want to get a more expensive TV, I would always get a wall mount and keep it out the way so that people can't reach it easily to fiddle around with it. Third up, always buy a lifetime supply of mattress protectors. They're, They're Fifteen pounds, but if you have a new mattress protector every time a new tenant goes in, it saves your mattress. Because I do believe in buying good quality mattresses. If you're furnishing your rentals, bad quality mattresses, tenants will complain about and complain about and complain about. Just buy something really good, three hundred pounds. It will last you longer. Put a mattress protector on it. Fantastic jobs are good in. So. I would spend more money on that than buying a cheapy 150 pound mattress. Carpets. Carpets are worth spending money on the seven to ten year life carpets. So don't buy the cheapy bottom of the rung stuff. Buy the middle of the middle of the tier carpets. You don't need the really high end if you've only got um, a rental property, unless you are having one of these really expensive rental properties where you're charging like £10,000 a week. If you're not, you can do the middle of the wrong carpets. Uh, carpeting a, a flat, so a two bed flat shouldn't cost you any more than about 1200 to £1,500. And if that lasts for seven to 10 years, then that's really good value. If you've got carpets that are cheaper than that i'd be questioning whether they're going to last and you don't want to be paying seven eight hundred pounds every three years to replace your carpets you'd rather have that last longer and just give them a really good cleaning between tenancies because that's going to save you money um i would definitely buy a bed frame and bedside tables if i was going to furniture property I think it's really important I wouldn't bother buying chest of drawers or a wardrobe if you do want a wardrobe try and get it built in if you've if you've watched that Netflix documentary Broken where they've gone through all the cheapy wardrobes and chest of drawers and they've shown how they've killed children you just don't even want to get involved in that let a tenant do that themselves you just provide the basics if they want anything extra then they can bring it in and they can take it away with you i think it needs to be as simple as that if you can put build built-in wardrobes fantastic if they last a long period of time definitely do the do do that i've put built-in wardrobes in all of my properties bar one and it's worked like a dream and it's not used up too too much space either so that's been really beneficial but I wouldn't now go out of my way to build, to buy the standalone ones. I just think you waste your money on it. For bathroom suites, you always need to be buying the middle of the range bathroom suites. I know you can get bathrooms for a couple of hundred pounds. If you were to get the 350 to £400 pounds bathroom suite, they tend to last longer, especially if they're better plastic. Because I have had tenants before drop things in the bath or drop things in the sink and just crack it. So you have to go and get a new suite anyway or a new sink or a new bath. And that's a faff to manage and change over. So buy the middle of the range one. However, always buy the most expensive extractor fan in the world. (laughs) I don't exaggerate here, but an extractor fan is far better if you are uh if you spend more money on it because they work for longer and they go faster and they extract all of the moisture out of your bathroom which stops the mold forming on the ceiling or the walls especially if you have an internal bathroom with no windows get a better extractor fan it's worth the while paying for it because it will mean that your bathroom lasts longer I now, out of experience, would spend money taking out electric showers because they don't last that long. I have electric shower now in only one of my properties. The rest of them, every time I've done a bathroom, I've taken the electric shower out, reworked the pipework, put an extra strong pump onto the bath area so that you get a power shower out of it. They work far better. The electric showers, if you're in a place of really hard water... And I get that in London, I get it in Bath, then it can, I don't, I don't know the technology the technicalities behind this. I'm not an electrician, but it looks like it's dried out the motor in the electric shower and then it stops working. So if you can remove that and put in place a power shower, yes, it costs a little bit more money at the time that you have that changed over, but you don't need to be replacing the electric shower every couple of years. Spend money on pretty fire doors. Fire doors are essential. If you don't have fire doors in your rental, you need to be looking at yourself in the mirror and going, do I want my tenants to die? Go spend money on nice looking fire doors. Wicks do them. I've just redone a whole apartment of seven doors for £700. So actually it's not that expensive, but my gosh, my tenants will survive in case there's a fire. I did have fire doors on there before, but they were really terrible looking. So I wanted to change them over to give a new modern effect. And trust me, if you can get pretty fire doors, they serve two purposes. They make your place look good and they keep your tenants alive. It's definitely worth the money. Double or secondary glazing is also worth paying for. Um, But if you've got the wooden sash windows, which I do on my properties in Bath, I put the secondary glazing on which actually you can get from ebay but you can also have your, your window fitter come out and do that rather than keep replacing the sash windows i have them repaired and i screw half of the sash shut actually so that tenants can only move one side of the window i was finding that if they could move both sides of the window you know the bottom up and the top down then they'd forget about it. The wind would come through and they'd crash, breaking the panes. So I'd screw either the bottom down or the top down or the top up. And then I have secondary glazing on it, which works a lot better. It's also really good for sound insulation. I do spend money on steam-free mirrors. Maybe that's a personal preference. You could just put your £5 mirror up, but I'm a stickler for being able to use your bathroom still with the door closed. Um, At some point, I wish the UK would do what they do in the US, where we can have things plugged into the bathroom sockets. In the UK, you can't do that, so it's a bit of a frustration. But at least once you get out of the shower, you can clean your teeth. Um, I now spend money on decorator. I used to get friends and family in to help me paint flats when I was probably in my early 20s, we'd have paint parties. I don't do that anymore. I just pay, pay a decorator to do it. Time versus money. Essentially, it takes me too long to decorate. I'm terrible at it. If you get friends over, inevitably, they bought wine or alcohol with them. I'm not doing that anymore. I pay decorators. It's far better. One of the big things that I do at the moment is if I have to take out A little bit of an extra loan or maybe a development loan, I now go and check to see if I can get interest-free money transfer credit cards. Because if you've then got two years to pay off the money that you've taken out of the credit card, providing you don't need to get long-term lending, then it's a better way of borrowing money. I always try on these 0% 0% money transfer credit cards to pay them back off within six months so that they're not outstanding and I can get more lending. Um, but if you're good with money and you know how to use them properly, then they're a really good way of financing smaller development projects. Um, here's some free things where you don't need to spend money, but you just need to make a phone call. Number one, Fire brigades often do free home checks, definitely in London, all of you guys in London, um, and they in- install smoke detectors for free. So you just go on the London Fire Brigade website or your local fire brigade website, give them a call, they come and do a home check and they bring smoke detectors. So if you don't want to spend the £30 on a smoke detector, give your fire brigade a call, get them to come and do it for you. At least you know that it's been done correctly Secondly if you don't know it and you haven't seen it yet in 2020 local governments are doing free boiler grants so you can get a new boiler installed for free so that your home is more sustainable. Some of my clients in the members club have already started doing this. Paul shout out to you for giving me this tip of advice. nest.gov.wales that website are installing free boilers for all you Welsh landlords. So get in contact with them. You might need to do it through the tenant. So the tenant might need to get in contact with them as well and say, hey, my utility utility invoice is far too expensive. Um, I want a new boiler. Great. And boilergrants.org.uk are doing it in England. So have a look. Now, it may be that you repay them, but the cost of repayment is attached to the house or the property. It's not to your own personal debt. And what you do is you pay the difference between the new cost of your energy versus the old cost. And that goes back to whoever gave you the grant. But if it's a grant, it tends to be free. So try and make the most of that if you possibly can. Um, And finally, your Local water board will do water saving freebies. They're doing it across the UK at the moment. So you can get new shower heads, you can get saver flush devices. Go and have a look. If you want to create a more sustainable property, then go and use these freebies. All you have to do is go online and apply for them and they tend to come in the post within seven to 10 days. I did that a lot in London with Thames Water. Wessex Water and Somerset are also doing that too. So make sure you go and have a look at these and take advantage of the three things you can get at the moment. The UK housing market is going sustainable. Use it use all of these freebies to your advantage, kit out your home, and it's going to save you and your tenant a lot of money. So there we have it. That's my rundown of the ways in which I would spend my money. So where I would spend my money and where I wouldn't based upon all of the refurbs that I've done. And hopefully you've taken a little bit of advice away from this and you can go and implement this in your own rental properties. And for those of you, one final bonus bit of advice, those of you who have got commercial units, try not to spend that much on fitting out a commercial unit because your commercial tenant's gonna come in and want to fit out themselves. So instead, why not give them Rent free period or some sort of concession so that they can do things the way that they want to do things rather than you spend loads of money, them come in, it not be right for them. They have to rip out all of the money that you've spent and still be asking for concessions. Work with your commercial tenant as they're coming into your property rather than thinking, oh, they might like this. Well, you don't know until you've asked them. So work with them rather than going ahead gung ho, spending loads of money and then it not be necessary. So those are my top tips. There we have it. I hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. If you have, please make sure that you subscribe to this podcast and also rate and review it because that's how other people find out about this awesome space to get tips, advice and information on property investment and everything that goes around property investment. So I hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. I cannot wait to catch up with you again soon.